Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's episode number 94 of the Audible Farm Podcast. This episode's brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa, and all of the orders are made specifically for whoever ordered them. That's pretty cool. If you consider the fact that they're not just roasting hundreds of pounds of coffee and and hoping and waiting for people to buy them, no. If you make an order, they roast their coffee especially for you and ship it to your house so this this is not big batch this is made to order coffee it guarantees freshness it's it's probably my favorite coffee i've ever had so if you guys want to check it out go to couchtowncoffee.com find a coffee you like and make an order you know what else is really cool couchtown coffee supports live music so if you guys want to make an order this week you can save 20 percent on your order that's 20 percent and all you got to do is enter the code word nine. The code word this week to save 20% is nine. And like I said, that's 20% off your order. Why? Because Couchtown Coffee is that awesome. And why is the code word nine? Well, this week I'm sitting down with Joe Simmons and Clint Henry, uh, the bassist and drummer, respectively, in the band Nine Years Gone. I have seen these guys. We, you know, in the podcast, we, I was like, I think I've seen these guys before. I swear I have. And then we figured it all out. Like in the podcast, I saw them uh, open up for Texas Hippie Coalition at Lefties in Des Moines last year. And Great band, great band. I mean, there's not too many rock and roll bands out there um, that can teeter anywhere from like almost a grunge style all the way through like heavier rock styles. Um, We discuss all of the things that uh, make up this band as far as influences, uh, how long they've been together, different shows they've played at. Uh, different lineups and different things like that. This band has been pretty steadfast over the years. They did take a short break uh, to, you know, just kind of recharge their batteries. And we discussed that in the podcast, too. There's a fun story with that, actually, and uh, how the band got its name and everything. So if you guys want to, you know, really check out some cool stuff, check out this podcast episode. I know for a fact they've got some recordings that they're working on. So there will be some recordings available to be streaming um, pretty much anywhere coming up soon from nine years gone. So check it out. I got to say huge shout out to Joe and Clint for sitting down with me and, uh, Hey, enjoy this episode. It's number 94 with Joe Simmons and Clint Henry of nine years gone. It's the audible farm podcast with your host, Peter Stockdale. So today I'm sitting down with a couple of members from Nine Years Gone. Um, I I don't know if I've actually seen you guys live. I think I've seen you once at Lefties before, but uh, search as I may through my my catalog of all the shows I've been to recently, I can't guarantee that. So um, I'm pretty sure I've seen you guys live. But today I'm sitting down with uh, Joe Simmons, and that was I almost pronounced that wrong, but it's Joe Simmons and. Uh, <laughs> Clint Henry, you guys are the the rhythm section, the the bass and the drums on the band, right? Yep. Yeah, man. We're the guys. <laughs> you're you're what? We're the guys stuck in the back. Yeah. Stuck in the back. <laughs> I think that's the best place to be. Actually, you're holding down the fort back there. You know, like uh, I always like to think of the concept of a dog musher. The dog musher leads from the back. 
Yep, exactly. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, uh, <laughs> how did uh, how did you two guys end up meeting each other? And uh, like, did you guys meet each other and start the band, or did you know each other from childhood, or how did that all work out? Well, we became friends. We've been friends basically our entire lives. We've been friends since we were what, probably seven, eight years old. Yeah, something like that. And then <clears throat> our guitarist that's not on Jeff Cummings. Uh, we've all been friends basically our entire lives. And I don't know, we kind of had the idea to start playing when we were, I don't know, I don't even know if we were in junior high yet. I think it was about sixth grade. So, yeah. and this is, it would have been 1990-ish. Oh, cool. 91. Yeah. So we played our first show and right around that time, I don't know, probably 91 or 90, I don't know. And I remember it was a friend of ours. It was his, it was, I don't remember which birthday, what year it was, but we played his garage and we had those old amps that you'd uh, pick up at you know J- on the jc penny catalog yeah <laughs> you know and uh, everything sounded horrible and i'd never tuned a drum in my life but we got through it anyway <laughs> yeah man that's crazy so you guys are talking about playing your first show when you were like in junior high or earlier it was probably about seventh grade yeah jays that is insanity i i mean as many people as i've talked to i don't know too many people that played their first show in like you know seventh grade or something that's pretty wild <laughs> And this is southwest Iowa, Bedford, where we grew up. You know, so it's pretty small town. Yeah. I mean, and you guys did this all, like you said, early 90s. This would have been before um, all of what I would call the cheat sheets are available everywhere. Like on the internet, you could find anything you want, um, any piece of gear you want, learn how to tune your drums or whatever. You learn how to play a song. It doesn't matter. You can learn it all. And like back then, you didn't really have that availability. No. So how did you how did you guys go about like picking songs did you write songs yourself or did you uh cover a couple tunes or how did you go about doing that it was mostly covers they were really in the early days it was all covers um a lot of oh metallica pearl jam nirvana um really started kind of with poison don't want to say that probably on air but yeah <laughs> no, 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 no. it's totally yeah, cool was a time when 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 STP and Pearl Jam and Nirvana, they were still cool. Like they were they were new, mm-hmm. and I know we covered. I remember specifically that we had a lot of those a lot of those types of songs, Metallica, because we played our eighth grade graduation. Yeah, we played oh. a couple hours. Wow. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. Cow. We actually played that show, and it was I don't know, we played about an hour and a half, two hours yeah. solid. Yeah. So that's wild. Uh, like. Like yeah. I'm just thinking, like um, I didn't start playing until I was like in ninth grade or so, and I, I mean, I know how good I was when I first started playing, and I wasn't playing no Metallica, you know. <laughs> That's just. Oh, well, I didn't say we played. I didn't say we played it well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, still kudos to you guys just for having the guts to get up there um, at a young age and do it. I mean. That was probably one of my biggest hindrances growing up was the fact that, like, even though you're cool because you're playing guitar, you're still kind of like an outcast because you're playing guitar. Does that make any sense? Yeah. 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 I yeah. mean, like... Yeah, we, we all kind of had some high school band background mm-hmm. as well. So I think that kind of helped, but... Yeah. Like, uh, do you guys play, like, uh, instruments in the in the marching band or in the cor- like uh, concert band or something like that? Yeah, I think we started playing, if I remember right, we started playing some sort of instrument in like third grade. They came around and we picked an instrument and I played the, the trombone and the tuba. Nice. Initially. 
and I played saxophone. Oh man, that's awesome! I mean, those are two stellar instruments. I played trumpet growing up, so we, you know, the three of us could have pretty much started our own band right now if we just wanted. Right. Got a, like a ska section going on. There you go. Jeff, our guitarist, he played trumpet, I believe. Oh, I there you go. You correctly. already got. You already got it rounded off. You don't need me. <laughs> but then once we got closer to junior high, so like our band program kind of ended from probably fourth grade to junior high. Yeah, there wasn't really much going on. Um, but then we also played, we were in band of junior high and we did the marching band things. We did jazz band, um, concert band. Yeah. And at that time, Clint played percussion. I played tuba. And I think Jeff still played trumpet. Yeah, I'd switched over from trombone to drums when we got this concept of being a, came up with this thing of being in a band. And I believe the band name was Fubar. Yes. At the time. And so I switched over to drums because I'm like, no one else is going to play drums. Pretty sure. So I switched over to that. And then we kind of, that's kind of stuck for the rest of the time we were in school or less the time we were in band. But, Do you think that you guys like chose your instruments based on necessity or like, I feel like some of that is when, it, when kids first get together and we're like, we're going to make a band. And it's like, you're going to play the bass and we're going to play the guitar and you're going to play the drums. Everyone just go buy an instrument. Let's figure it out. You know, is that like kind of what you guys did or did you have uh, any sort of lessons or uh, like older people in your school kind of helping you out or anything like that? So as far as the drums go, I definitely picked it out because I didn't think anybody else would play it. And there was an old guy, an old man by the name of Gary Jones, who was this old man that always smelled like camel cigarettes and, and I don't know what else. <laughs> he was a really old skinny guy, and he used to play, he used to play uh, uh, jazz for money. Like he actually did it. You know, he'd play shows. And uh, he would come around, and, and he'd come around with a cart and this old organ. And I think it's the organ that everybody wants, that little black yeah. organ. He'd come around, and he'd have us sing these songs, and he asked us if he wanted. He goes, well, I can kind of play the drums if you guys want to teach it. And there was four or five of us that went down, and I remember we learned on this old green Ludwig. It was an old green Ludwig, and it was a jazz style with big, you know, cymbals that are completely, you know, rusted over or whatever. With has all that build up. I started playing those in that auditorium for a long time, and then it finally just kind of, you know, stuck. I just kept with it. So they had to talk me into playing bass. <laughs> and why is that? Why is that? Well, they had to talk me into just in the band in general. It's Jeff and Clint's. It was their brainstorm, and they needed a bass player. Needed a bass player, and uh, I remember sitting in Clint's driveway and finally talking me into it. And then, so I was just like, well, I guess it's the bass that I'm going to be playing. There you yeah. go. And Jeff had, it was a natural fit for him to play guitar and sing because he had been doing that already. Um, if I remember correctly, when we were very, when we were young, you know, elementary and stuff, he was coming up to the fair and I think yeah. doing little performances and stuff. So it was a natural fit for him to do that. So it was kind of like, who's going to do the rest of the stuff. You know? yeah, he used to do the talent show at the, Iowa State Fair when he was a very young. Jeez. So you guys are stacked full of, like, I mean, from a young age, each one of you guys has been very musically active, it sounds like. It's not like it's not like you're just random guys that picked up instruments and were like, I think I can do this. You know, you actually have, like, a very deep background involved, not just in playing your own specific instruments. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. How did you guys... Um, end up like choosing the types of bands that would influence you the most. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm going to just garnish a guess to say that it was what was popular at the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I think that it was what was popular at the time. And I think 
And we, I think it was what was popular at the time. And then I remember your older brother was always like Bad Company, Rush. Yeah. And, 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 I, and we really liked those. You're not so much Rush until later. I've mm-hmm. always liked Rush for the record. Yeah, yeah see, it's always been. And I wasn't, I wasn't quite there yet. But and that, but uh, uh, and then I remember my my uh, dad was always into Zeppelin and the Doors and that and the Beatles and that kind of thing. So I always kind of went that route with you know with influence from my dad, especially with you know John Bond and everything. I always listened to him. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's pretty broad range. I know Jeff is more of a kind of a blues classic rock kind of guy. So yeah, I mean. Uh, as as far as that all goes, like I totally get the whole like picking up what's around you and and using it as like your influence. Like I grew up um, listening to a lot of like pop punk and stuff like that, and then in my like later teen years, I started listening to a lot of like eighties metal. So those are like probably my two biggest influences. Now I play a lot more blues than anything, but uh, you know it is it is just kind of like what who was listening to what around you and who, the, how they influence you. Cause the drummer in, in the band I'm in pretty much for, you know, force fed me metal, um, when I was in high school and it was like, Oh man, this stuff's good. You know? And then you start to feel it kind of bleed into your playing abilities and such. But yeah, it's, Metallica was real big for me in the early nineties. I, I actually got into them on the and justice for all record. Nice. And yeah. I mean, they, uh, Go for it. They've been, they helped me deal with quite a bit as a junior high teenager, you know? Oh, yeah. It was a thing for me. Yeah, I totally feel you. Like, uh, the metal music was that nice outlet, you know? I could listen to music that was yelling, and then I didn't have to do any yelling, I guess, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it kind of yeah, helped. And then my brothers were big classic rock guys, and I mean, I grew up listening to all that, too, so... I think having older brothers is probably one of the best influences you can have too, because it's it gives you like a bigger scope of what music is out there. Because you know everyone kind of locks into what was popular in their teenage years and never really moves too far from it. And uh, right. you know if you have like older siblings or even even parents that are like, oh, I mean I know you like you know Metallica, but if, if you listen to much Led Zeppelin, you know, and then you're like, oh, holy cow, this is actually pretty darn good stuff. You know, I never would have listened to it had somebody not you know, insisted that I listen to it, which is kind of one of those, uh, those things that it almost comes by chance, you know, as far as, as who the people are and, and what they get to listen to. Yep. Yeah. Did I, uh, I saw online that you guys had a show booked coming up and it was postponed. You guys were going to play that Flotsam and Jetsam show that was going to be at, was it a Vaudeville Muse? Yeah. And did that get postponed or canceled? It's uh, actually been rescheduled. I don't think, I don't know if it's a vaudeville's announced it, but according to the uh, Flotsam website, it's next year. I, I can't remember the date off the top of my head, um, but it's next May. Yeah, when I I had uh, originally talked to Joe a little bit and saw that you guys were on that show and was just like, oh, this, this show is going to be killer because it was Flotsam and Jetsam, Dark Mirror, Nine Years Gone, which is you guys. Uh, Tyrant Souls and Sorted, and I've I've seen Dark Mirror and Tyrant Souls uh, many times before. Um, and I, like I said, I think I've seen you guys play once, maybe even with Tyrant Souls, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, we played we played Tyrant Souls three times, I believe now. Yeah, and you, um, you guys have very complimentary styles. Yeah, I mean, um, our style kind of—I mean, it's nice. It kind of fits in with just about every. You know, you can go pretty hard rock to you know, a little bit lighter rock, we're still going to fit in. Um, 
And so it's it's kind of a nice nice fit for both bands, you know, and we get to play shows together, get to know each other and they're, they're a great group of guys. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's probably one of the things when I first started checking some of your stuff out on, on YouTube, I was like, Oh man, you guys, you don't sound like every other band. And that's not to say every band out there sounds the same, but you, there's, there's not too many like classic rock sounding bands out there anymore. And you guys are pretty much right in the meaty part of that curve. Right. And, uh, and we can go, go for it. I mean, we we have some slower light lighter songs, I guess you can't see my air quotes, but, um, (laughs) you know, just that's so we could fit in with a not quite so heavy crowd, but then, you know, we got the stuff, you know, that you've seen, um, you know, that can fit in with that heavier type crowd as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, that's that's probably one of the coolest parts about watching bands play or getting put on bills with bands you don't know, because not everybody has the same influence, you know. Um, so that like leads to, I, I guess, just being able to see what else is out there, and that's not something when I first started playing shows and going to a lot of shows. It's not something I was like initially. It, it didn't even cross my mind. It was just like, well, there's metal, you know, and it's 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 heavy, and sometimes people yell, and then there's like punk music, and that's pretty much like the two broadest genres that are like in Iowa as far as playing like uh, I don't want to say pub shows or like club shows, but that's that seems to be about everything that's out there. And you guys aren't just relying on like super heavy distortion and people yelling or or anything like that. You know, you guys are actually out there crafting something that's a little bit different, which I think is one of the coolest things about you guys as a band. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. And it's one of those things where when you've done it for uh, longer than most of the people you're on stage or that you're sharing a stage with that, not a bit alive, you kind of have time to hone things in and kind of work on, you know, actually kind of in a sense, self-producing the song and, and, and giving it those kind of things you're looking for, those things that you hear that, that you know, kind of attracts you to the songs. It's something that we, we try to work on, we try to spend a lot of time building the song, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So. And I think that's like pretty deceptive too. Like as far as you go out and watch shows and there's people of like all ages and it doesn't really like matter the age. Cause the talent level also spans so much as far as, you know, even influences do, but like, I would have never thought you guys were a band that started in, you know, in the early nineties, but you guys said you were playing like in junior high. So you guys have been playing, I mean, you've got a lot of years under your belt. I mean, probably half your lives, at least you've been playing, you know, your instruments. Yeah. Well, we played shows when we were all the way through high school and then we, we, and then we just kind of practiced and then you'd moved, I think. Well, so I actually took time off from, I don't know, maybe junior or high school until about four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't touch an instrument that entire time. Um, so I left to pursue other stupid juvenile juvenile uh, things, you know, like football girls partying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so we got a – or they got another bassist who was – but four years younger than us. Yeah, at least, yeah. yeah. Um, and he was with the band. He unfortunately passed away about three and a half years ago, give or take. Yeah. Um, and then that, there was a, uh, we were playing the Taylor County Fair, and they asked me to play a couple songs that we used to play, like Knocking on Heaven's Door and mm-hmm. uh, Porch from Pearl Jam. And <clears throat> sat down and jammed for the first time, and, 
you know, 20 plus years. And it, it felt like we were, you know, in seventh grade again. So you guys, and, so you took like maybe yeah. the most of like the two thousands, like the early two thousands off then as a band. Well, I was off from probably 95, 96 until recently 2017. Okay. Oh, dang. Um, but the band was it was still together with that other bassist, uh, All right. James Wilson. And they actually, from 2001 and 2010, were in a hiatus, which nine years, hence the name, nine years gone, when they oh. come back together. That, yeah, we, after Joe had taken off, we ended up going to a studio recording. We were just right out of high school. In 1998. Yeah, and we went to a studio recording an album. It was more just for us. To see what this, what it was like, we went down to Skidmore, Missouri, mm-hmm. and uh, recorded an album. And then we were, Jeff and I, just him and I, had done it, and we we're coming back and we we're listening to it. We we're like, this isn't really what we thought it was going to be. I think we need to work a little harder. And uh, anyway, uh, James was a uh, he was a younger guy, so he was probably like a freshman or a sophomore, but he was a natural just uh, musician, and he's a you know friend of ours, a friend of the family, and all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, he had he had uh, picked that CD up somehow. He had gotten a hold of it. Must have given his must have given his mom a copy. I'm not really sure how he got a hold of it. But he comes up one day and says, "I want to play with you guys." And we're like, you know, uh, we do even know any of the songs, and he just starts playing them. Oh so, wow, that's cool. Yeah, and he was like, I don't know, 15, if that, if that. And so we we uh, shared a case of beer and jammed all night. <laughs> he played this for kind of long, and we and then after we had moved up to Iowa State. Uh, like I said, that's kind of where the nine years thing starts, where we didn't, we played our instruments and we practiced and we'd mess around, but we didn't play shows and we weren't really considered a band. Mm-hmm. And again, until 2009, 2010, when we played our first show, as nine years gone. You know, that's really so, cool. I like, I'd never, I guess I, I just scrolled down to your website where it says our story and like a decent chunk of what we talked about is actually like in that paragraph. I guess I could have, you know, read that and, and and streamlined a little bit of this but it would have you know it wouldn't have gotten all this cool conversation i didn't know uh the band name nine years gone actually had like a reasoning behind it and that's that's actually really cool you know i'm in i'm in a punk band named three finger betty and there's like no rhyme or reason for why it's named that um i mean it's just it's just like uh an imagery that somebody had created and they're like it sounds funny or whatever so we just went with it um i mean there's backstories that get bantered about, but, uh, we change them, you know, every time somebody asks. So there's like not a real story, but you guys have a real cool one where you guys were together. Um, I mean, Joe took off and, and did his own thing for a while. You got a new bassist and then you took that hiatus for nine years and you were gone for nine years. Hence the name nine years gone. I love it. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah it's, it, uh, it makes a good story. Yeah, it really does. And I mean, like, as far as, I mean, Joe, as far as you're concerned, I played, um, I played in a band in high school and we played like punk music and things like that. And, uh, after high school, um, the drummer ended up going to a different band and, uh, he, he actually plays in Dark Mirror. It's the drummer in Dark Mirror, Clint Blumker. And, um, that's the drummer in the band I play in now as well, Three Finger Betty. And, you know, I just like, he left and joined a different band and it's like, well, now I live in small town Iowa with no drummer and nothing to do. And. Uh, I just kind of quit playing because I didn't really, 
I don't know, didn't really have the drive and there was no one around to really play with or anything like that. So I just kind of, I mean, I kind of quit for maybe about, about 10 years. And, uh, I mean, it was just a stroke of luck that I had a whole bunch of free time and I was like, well, I'll just pick the guitar up and, and finally get good at it for once, you know, and, and got a little bit better. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it, sometimes those breaks are actually necessary to kind of recharge the batteries and let you know what, what was really important, you know, in the first place. Well, I think that's the thing is, is we kind of talk about it as, you know, kind of life just gets in the way. And there was kind of a perfect storm of things where things had just kind of worked out as far as timing goes. And uh, uh, I'd gotten a call from Jeff. It was over Christmas. Uh, I think it was probably in 09. And he wanted to get together and, and just play. And we, of course, we hadn't done it in, in, in almost, 10, almost nine years at that point. And, wanted to record a song and at the time i had an electric kit that i'm just kind of messing around with i had an acoustic kit as well so i brought it back and we we ran i don't, I don't remember how we got it onto a computer but we did and uh, we recorded a song the first time we wrote a song the first time we've been together in almost I said almost nine years and that song is actually it's uh unedited on uh myspace oh wow <laughs> yeah uh it's not great uh the way it's uh, mixed and everything but it's not too shabby so you know, immediately we just kind of took right off into a sort of writing things and and, and never and then just never really skipped the beat. And then we just started playing. And uh, the, the thing was, we started practicing and James had come back and, uh, from, he had been over doing some training in the military and he had recently moved back to the area. We were all in separate spots, but we could kind of make it work and we had to practice and we started doing some shows and we could not think of a name. And we kept coming up with that stuff and kept coming up with stuff and Nine years gone, kind of came out and was like, you know, I haven't played nine years. Let's try that. This kind of stuff. Yeah, it's really cool, man. And like, like I said, it's not that other bands don't have a reasoning for their name. I feel like some bands take a stab at a name and try and like pigeonhole themselves into the genre by using their name. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to pick on anyone, but metal bands are always, you know we got to have the most metal name ever out there, you know, and I'm, like I said, I'm not trying to pick on metal, metal bands at all. I I love them. I was, you know, I played guitar in unity for a few years and we're kind of on a hiatus as of now, but you know, like, it's just nice to like, uh, hear that there's, uh, there's actually a rhyme and a reason it sounds like for almost everything you guys have, have done here. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, everything happened for a reason and it actually worked out, um, you know, as it did and you know you guys are all still playing and you're still a band um i would think that uh you know like bands that change lineups it's it's sometimes it's tough to keep going you know um had uh james wilson never contacted you as in you know being the new bass player what would have happened to the band do you think yeah I don't, nothing probably i don't know if we better gotten started again because once we started playing and we would kind of talk about it with you and you kind of got those and I was doing, doing that again, and we thought, well, can we have two bass players? What can we do? You know? <laughs> so, you know, it, yeah, I mean, if you had to contact us, you had to come back, and everything just kind of worked out. It was a perfect storm. Of, and it's something that we really miss, and now if we don't do it, we kind of start getting, you know, it's kind of like getting hangry. You got you to gotta, you gotta play or you get angry about stuff, you know? So it's like we got to get together, and you know, we write songs, and, and we, don't, we don't do much covers anymore. We use mostly just originals. And, uh, so it's it's been a it's been a blessing for all of us. I think it's a good getaway for all of us, and it's just a hobby that we really enjoy. And coming up to uh, Des Moines and playing more has been a really good experience for us. And, and we like the new exposure and just getting to play in front of people that 
And this is something that maybe bands up here in a, in a city area, I guess I should say, versus the rural area that we were always in, that's, that's a lot different is, yeah, we, you know, the money can be pretty good back when we're from playing, you know, covers, and even if you're not, I can still get by. But it's nice to come up here to go to a show where people are going to the show to see bands, and they want to see local bands. They don't want to hear Achy Breaky Heart or <laughs> some Poison song or whatever, you know, for 5,000. They don't want to hear, you know, those songs. They want to hear the new band. And it's really exciting to have people come up and they're there to see a show. And it's just cool because that's not something that we're used to. Yeah, that's one of those like goofy double-edged swords I always thought like I'm from rural Iowa. I'm from like northern Iowa. And it's one of those things where around here you can play covers and and get away with playing some of your originals here and there and and the payouts are are pretty good, but you know if you go to like the bigger cities where there's tons of bands uh maybe not, you know, fighting each other for spots, but most of the time it seems like uh every weekend there's plenty of bands always playing everywhere so there's it's it's really saturated in the bigger cities so the payouts aren't always as good depending on where you're at and what you're playing but it's like i said it's that weird double-edged sword where like if you play at a smaller town bar you might just be like uh like dressing you know you're just kind of sitting there in the corner and people are kind of whatever you know maybe listening to you maybe not uh if you're playing a cover band you're you're more or less just like a, a really badass jukebox that's in the corner, you know, and sometimes people just go to the bar to drink, but you know, like uh, we talked about lefties earlier, people go to lefties to hear music, you know, and that's probably the coolest thing is, is showing up there and finding a bunch of people that are, like you said, they're not there just to hear achy breaky heart. They're there to hear what other people have done. And it's, it's really one of those things where I think it's a little bit more fulfilling, even if the room is emptier and, or the payout might not be as well. It's, it's definitely, a little bit more fulfilling on, on like a, I don't want to say spiritual end, but it, you know, it just makes you feel really good. Yeah. Like when you see people, you don't even know, you see them bobbing their heads to your songs. It's pretty good feeling. Even if it is only, you know, 20 people in the crowd, you know, you see half of them bobbing their heads to your songs. It, it makes you feel pretty good. And like you're doing things right. Oh yeah. There's nothing better than like the tiniest bit of like fan, response is the greatest thing ever for some reason like you said like just bobbing their head if they're standing out there bobbing their head you know taking a drink it's like these people are digging it you know and that's that's something you don't always get you know at a a small town bar because like i said not everybody's there to hear the music so it's it's that weird double-edged sword i always i always think about that too because i've played just enough of both shows to realize that they're it's two different beasts you know yeah and where we're from, the town that we played a lot in, or I guess the area, because we just played in town. We we played a multiple, like a lot of different kinds of shows, like black rallies, played town festivals, or the or the uh, county fair and things like that. And depending on what it is, we might throw some covers in. Pretty well decided that we're not really do covers. We just kind of got tired of playing them, and, and we have so many songs of our own. We've been doing it so long, you kind of accumulate songs after a while. It's like we should play them. And we've, we straight up tell people uh, that are going to hire us, that are going to pay us, that we really don't do covers, so if that's a problem, don't hire us. Oh, and yeah. And the people around in that area, they don't care. <laughs> it's, just, it's just shocking, but uh, we just tell them we don't do covers. This is what we do. We might throw a couple in there, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, generally speaking, we just don't. We're not going to practice them. If we get enough beers on us and we won't play <laughs> Mustang Sally, we'll play it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
I think that's some of the funnest part about like having a giant lineup of original tunes and then stacking in a cover here or there. You know, like if if you can play for two hours straight and you play two covers, uh, the whoever's listening is going to go absolutely bananas for the covers. And I think it's like that's one of the funnest thing ever. Where like I play in a punk band, but every now and then it's like. You know, we're going to play Jailbreak by Thin Lizzy just for fun. And we like, you know, we'll play it and people are like, what the heck? This is this is insanity, you know, and it's it, it's always one of those songs. It doesn't seem to fit too well, but everybody knows it and it works out really well. And, uh, you know, sometimes playing a little bit of covers in with some of your original tunes kind of shows um, the width of the band, like how far you guys can actually go. Because, you, know, you know, if you write your own music, usually it kind of stays in it's the same wheelhouse sort of. But if you play like a cover, obviously it's not something that anyone in the band wrote. So it says, you know, we can actually go this far as a band. We're actually more talented than than the scope we're showing you today. We can go even farther and beyond that. And it gives everyone like a little glimpse of how, you know, how how much fun it actually can be. Yep. Well, I think back in the early days of, well, yeah, back several years ago, when we really were playing like some of bike rallies and these different things, uh, we would play, you know, or just playing these bars, we would have we have to play for three or four hours and playing for 30 minutes is not long enough. Four hours is too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it never seems to turn out that way, but you, you kind of had to mix everything up because there was so much content that we were going through. And there were times when we would play back to back days. And so we had to try to have different stuff for this long period of time. So we'd have different people come up. So like, uh, there's some very, very talented musicians back home to play different uh, instruments, steel guitar and whatnot, fiddle. We'll, we'll throw some of that in there. And uh, Our guitarist, his dad, is, is a very good singer and, and keyboardist, so uh, we'll jump in with him and do a lot of different songs. We try to be as diverse as we can, but we've really boiled it down to the songs we've been playing. That's pretty much what we're going to play at this point. It's kind of nice that, I guess, weight off your shoulders where you have to constantly try to keep up with, with covers. Yeah, we've all, you know, we've put in our dues for cover so it, you know we're kind of strict on like all right we want to play our own stuff we're old enough now and you know we all have our own you know careers now where you know trying to make it as a band isn't our we don't have to make it to eat essentially you know yeah you know, and i think so we, we can be a little more picky with what we want to do yeah and i think that we just it's one thing that we never and we don't now, and we don't think we really ever have. It's always been about what we want to do and how we want to do it, within reason, obviously. But it's not something that we, we write a song, we don't write a song. For It just comes together, it doesn't. And there's no intent of what it's supposed to sound like or what our music is supposed to sound like. I don't even know how you do that. Like, none of us know even. Like, if, if you say, well, we want to sound like, and I don't know some younger kids and stuff, we want to sound like. We want to sound like Metallica. We want to sound like this band because we know that everybody likes it. The sound people love. I don't even. We don't even. It just comes out. Whatever comes out, it is what it is. <laughs> That's what we got. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a benefit to that though too, because sometimes I feel like if you aim too directly at something, it uh, like pigeonholes the band. You know, almost. It's just like you said. If you want to make a band that sounds like Metallica, it's not impossible. But um, you know, unfortunately, you're you're just going to be a band that sounds like Metallica. You know, that's. <laughs> that's the thing you know it's it's metallica light or you're just the, the metallica junior or or you know something like that you know and that's that's something that i i, I mean there's not too many bands that do that 
Um, cause I feel like a lot of people have a wider scope, especially musicians have like a wider scope of what they like. So they're not just going to like, like I said, just pigeonhole on one band and be like, I got to sound exactly like something like this, but it's, you know, like you said, I mean, if, if you put you guys all together, I'm sure that your musical directives are all like wide, widely spanned enough that if you put it all in a can and spun it around outcomes nine years gone, because it's, like I said, it's, it's not. It's not like you guys are all aiming at something and you guys all have different influences and things. So it's, it's going to come out as something new. Yep. Yeah. That's something that we kind of talk about when we, when we are putting things together, it's, uh, well, this, does this bass tone go with something? Doesn't matter. Whatever you like, that's what you like. If it doesn't work and we can adjust it and you still like it. Okay. Fair enough. But, you know, generally speaking, it's whatever sound you want to go with, that's the sound you go with and we'll make it work. And, I mean, that's kind of, we don't, you know, Jeff has his sound. He's got that classic Marshall Gibson sound. Uh, and uh, I don't even know what my sound is, but just, <laughs> I try to tune my drums and not buy cheap symbols. That's like the real right? so. <laughs> But yeah, whatever comes out, comes out. It's worked so far, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's that's also the benefit of being around people that you're comfortable with, though, too. Because like you said, if somebody if somebody has the question like does this sound you know good enough or does this sound whatever uh, I mean it's like does it sound good to you is that what you want to play like if if you don't think it sounds good we can change it otherwise like just keep doing whatever you're doing that's that's actually a really good place to be in with a band I mean you can challenge each other to try and try new things here and there but nobody's ever kind of like harping on anyone else or like you know climbing on anyone else to be like hey you gotta sound like this you know like. You, it, you ha, your bass has to sound like it's an Ampeg going through an eight by 10, you know, it's like, you know, there's none of that, that people are driving, you know, the other band members, like I said, back into that pigeonholed area. Um, I play in the punk band, you know, three finger Betty, but we just call it punk because it's like, what else is it? I don't know, because we play like rock kind of stuff, but it's like slightly metal influenced and et, et cetera, et cetera. And that's like the benefit of, you know, having all of us, we kind of all get along so well where it's just like, you know, does this make the song too heavy? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like, should you put pinch harmonics in punk songs? Like, I don't care. Put them in there. You know, and like, that's kind of how everyone just rolls with it. And we're just like, yeah, sounds good. Like, because no one else is doing this. So why not? You know, and that's what makes, an, you know, a band all original. And I think that's one of those testaments to you guys as far as a band for having stuck together so long. I mean, even though, uh, you know, like Joe left the band for a little bit and came back, but um, I mean, you guys are all still great friends. You all still hang out with each other. You can get along. You guys have been getting along since the early 90s. So, I mean, that's a huge testament to be able to even just make music with somebody for that long. Because, like I said, like there's very few bands out there that can even do that, that are established and, and touring and things like that. Yeah, it's, it, it's, we're starting to feel old. <laughs> it's been a while. I think looking at it as, you know, everybody's and i think as we've grown up i think if we'd have tried to do this as much as we have done it in the last 10 years as we, if we try to do it you know practicing we were very diligent about it. especially the first three or four years there was a lot of driving back and forth to southwest iowa um james and basis he was down in missouri he's on st joe for a while and, and so there was a lot of traveling back to Bedford, which is like where we did most of our practicing and some of our recordings of the kind of studio down there and one and up here in St. charles but um, so we spent a lot of time just going back and forth and putting that time into practice. I mean, you know, practicing for 
hours and hours to play, you know, our first show and, and then uh, realizing and then go back and we kind of always recorded to try to record things, even if it was a bad recording, but just so we could go back and listen to it and fix it. And it's, you know, same process. And everything goes through. It, uh, it's, you know, over the, over time, it's really helped. And it, you learn to deal with everybody because it's like having uh, another wife. Or something. <laughs> it's, when we get together and jam, um, so pre-COVID, we'd go back, we'd go down to Bedford, which is about an hour and 45 minutes drive for both Clint and I, and Jeff lives in Bedford. And so, you know, with families and all that stuff, we'd get together once, maybe twice a month, but it would be a 10 hour jam session. Oh, wow. Um, make it worth, make it worth your while. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, we'd be, you know, we'd have some beers and, you know, we'd grill some food and everything. So there'd be some breaks in there, but um, but now that there's with the COVID stuff going on, we're um, solely focusing on recording, and we're doing that in St. Charles at Clint's house. He's built a studio in his house, um, so now Jeff has to do all the driving. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, it's a nice break. I'm sure he likes it. <laughs> oh um, man, give him a taste of your guys' medicine. This is what we've been dealing with. You got to deal with it, Jeff. It. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's really made us focus on the songs. What can we add here? What can, what would, you know, make the solo better? What, you know, what would drive the bass and the kick drum harder here? Kind of things like that to really put out a good quality song um, and really break down the songs that were, because we'll just focus on one song now instead of just a jam session. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we're on this one song. We're going to record it as many times as possible until we get it, till it's good enough to get it mixed and mastered. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, what we'll do is we have, we all get in a room together and we've already played the songs for years. So, you know, but it's amazing though. It's amazing. We can play a song for 10 years over and over and over again. And then you put a microphone in front of a drum setter, at least for me anyway, and I can't play it right once. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what that is. And, uh, so we'll just play it until we kind of get that bass track. Uh, and then we'll go back and cut everything in. And then once we get everything where, where we want it, we just, that's when we really start to kind of tweak and add some different sounds and instruments. We've played the songs enough that we've arranged them, but it's that fine tuning. Mm-hmm. And it's always nice to have an external person. Um, we'll send it off for a, kind of a low cost uh, mix and master initially and get feedback from the initial person, take that feedback, listen to it with a, with a, what you call a cheaper mix. It still sounds good for a few weeks and, and see how we feel about it. Then if we, if we think that everything's the way we want it, then we'll send those stems off and spend a lot more money on a, on a much better, higher quality mixing and mastering process. And it's, and it's worth it. The extra, you know, maybe 10 or 20 times more <laughs> to do it the right way, but the sound quality is yeah. it's worth it, you know, and that's not something I, I can do and, and spend time with doing. So yeah, you can do I hear you. I mean, the proof is in the pudding if you hear stuff that's been... I mean, it is crazy how well people can make music in their basement and make it sound. I mean, it's it's absolutely insane today compared to 20 years ago, 30, 40 years ago. It, you know, it wasn't possible 40 years ago. And now it, now it is. You, all you just need is a laptop and an interface. And you, wham, you can record anything you want. But uh, the proof is in the pudding if you send it out somewhere and get it uh, fine-tuned by somebody else. We had... Uh, recorded a Three Finger Betty album and got it mixed locally, but mastered. Um, we sent it out to get mastered, and it really, you know, made the whole album f- 
feel like more of an album. Um, it evened everything out and, and put everything on the same plane, I guess, would be a good way to kind of say it. It's tough to describe the mixing and mastering process to people that haven't been through it. And, uh, you know, it's, it is one of those things. But uh, I, you guys were talking about how you recorded an, an album in the late 90s and didn't release it. And you guys have been recording rough tracks or raw tracks, I guess I would call them, um, to kind of gauge where you guys are at with specific songs or, or how you sound and ways you can improve yourself. Um, and you're recording stuff now. Do you have plans to um, eventually release like an EP or a three song type thing or a couple singles or a full album anytime soon? Um, actually, <laughs> we have our first official release coming out on 7-1. It's, uh, it'll just be a single. Oh, cool. Um, then we have, and we just finished, we have a second song that's done and ready. Um, and I think that's just kind of the approach we're taking is just kind of song by song. And then kind of once we get to that, you know, five song mark, give or take, you know, put out an EP. And then we, once we get to that eight to 12 song mark, you know, make an actual album out of it. You know, that's more of a kind of a constant flow, that constant release. You know, we, like I said, we've been doing it and we record it, but we don't record anything. It's studio quality. That's what we've, we've been really bad about that. We have mm-hmm. a thousand copies of a, a thousand <laughs> recordings of a song, but it's all crap, you know, and it was never intended that. It's for us to listen and practice to and Yeah. And just recently we said, you know what, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do it. Um, the, the, the album that we did 98. Yeah. I mean, it's just, in fact, we can't even find a copy of it. Now I have the original DAT tape, but who the hell else a DAT player, you know, or, <laughs> you know, but we had, we do have that. So, uh, but yeah, the, and what our idea is just to kind of go every three or four months, have a release. Once we get enough, do it as an album and, and, and somebody can, you know, sell CDs that way or whatnot if we wanted to or you know, however that works. But it's something, this whole process of not just uh, uh, being three guys getting together, barbecue and getting drunk and playing uh, three or four shows a year at some local play. This, this, that whole process is a little bit newer for us. It's always been a real strictly hobby thing, and we've taken it a little more seriously in the last few years. Yeah. And so that's why we're kind of behind the eight ball, or we just were behind and not behind the eight ball, but behind that in that process, and we're trying to get caught up in it. And we suck with social media. Yeah, we don't like it. <laughs> too old. I wouldn't say you guys are behind at all on any of this. I mean, there's bands that have been out there. I mean. I guess you guys have been out there 30 years almost, but like there's been bands that have been out there for so long. They don't have any recordings anywhere available online. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of that is like the best part about that is you have to go see it live in order to go enjoy it. You know, um, sometimes I feel like putting too much material out there, um, kind of robs everybody of the experience of seeing you live and it doesn't do as good of justice, I guess. Um, I mean, I used to video record three finger Betty sets every few months and put them up online. And then after a while, it was just like, well, there's 25, three finger Betty sets live online. Why would anybody ever want to go see us live? You know? And so, I mean, I've, I've curated them down and, and, and I've moved them around on different social media platforms and, and put them up and taken them down. So people, you know, could watch them and now they can't. And, you know, you gotta go see us live to enjoy it. But there's, you know, there is something to be said also about, recording one song at a time and putting it out there as a constant stream, like you said, because um, would you rather have your fans wait a year and a half to have a whole album or would you rather just give them a song every month? You know, I mean, 
in today's, uh, the way everything goes today, it's a whole season of something gets released, you know, on, on Netflix or whatever, but it's, it's always a constant stream of things getting released, whether or not it's one show or another show. And it seems like every week there's something new to watch or something new to listen to. And so by like releasing songs one by one, you might actually be doing yourself a service where it's like, dude, new song out this month. What do you think? And then by the time everyone's, I don't want to say tired of hearing it, but once the newness is kind of worn off, you're like, well, don't, don't slow down yet. We got another song coming out, you know, and it's, it's just going to keep, it's going to be one right after the other. And that's not a bad way of going about doing it. Honestly, I don't think. Yeah. And the good thing is we have a pretty big library of our own songs. So as we're building those up and, you know, slowly releasing them, getting recorded, we're also working on new stuff. So it's just, it's, you know, we're starting with an inventory to allow us to work on new stuff. So when that runs out, we're going to be ready for the, the next batch. So we should be able to do this for a, a while. Yeah. Before, I mean, we've got, you know, I don't know, 16, 20 songs that we could, something like that, that we could record now. I mean, some of them we have to brush up a little bit on, but we could play it live. And so, the, you know, so we've got enough to where if we spread it out, we can kind of do that. It keep, like I said, it keeps... It keeps activity going. It kind of keeps things moving. I mean, and most people, a lot of people, they buy an album and, and, you know, how long would it take us to make another album? You know, it would take a while because we don't get to practice constantly. And, and um, you buy a whole album and a lot of people, a lot of times people want to listen to one or two songs anyway. So it just seemed like a good approach to, to go, especially when you work as slowly as we work. But everybody's got jobs and, and you know, you guys have families and all that kind of stuff. It just, everything is slow. You know, so... Yeah, I mean, but it's, I don't know, I like, I like to think about this as, as a good thing, like generally speaking, because it just feels like it, it feels like it goes along with the narrative of what's going on, like with uh, the way content comes out today. Um, I, for a while, it was like weird to me to see, uh, there's like a couple punk bands that have been releasing new EPs, like at least every year, you know, and it's, it's like, how do you how do you do that? And it's like, well, they're only keying in on like five, six songs tops. And, you know, if you only key in on like five or six songs, you can get them recorded, mixed, mastered pretty quickly. You know, it's the process is shorter for the person recording. The process is shorter for the person mixing and mastering and everything. You don't have to sit down for three, four weekends in a row to hammer out 12 songs. You can do it all in, you know, one weekend or, or maybe two or, you know, through the course of a week. So, I mean, putting out you're putting out content faster than than normal is what's going to happen and that's going to that's going to be good it's going to be you know less content you're not putting out 12 song albums every month but at the same rate you're still going to be have that constant stream and i think that's going to be very beneficial for you guys so i'm i'm really excited to hear what that sounds like cuz i like i said i i'm fairly certain i saw you once with tyrant souls and that was at lefties and if i'm not mistaken and if I was at that show, I, I very much enjoyed it because when I saw some of your stuff on YouTube, I was like, this sounds so familiar. Like I've seen it before, heard it before. So, um, you know, I'm really excited to hear what it sounds like when it comes out the other end of the recording process. That's that's going to be really cool for you guys. Yeah, I think that was the uh, Texas Hippie Coalition show, wasn't it? Yeah, I was at that yep. show. That, that was a fun show. Yes, that, that was the show I saw you guys at. Oh man, yep. that that was actually a really, really, really good show. Tons of people there. Uh, every band on that show killed it. I stayed for about half of Texas Hippie Coalition set and left. Uh, no offense to them, I've seen them a handful of times. Um, 
at other shows but you know i i had went to go see some uh some local bands there uh tyrant souls invited me and and comped my ticket and that was their their gift to me for uh doing the podcast with them speaking of which um thanks thanks for the gear i I really appreciate it you guys for sending me some goodies uh i got i'll have some in the mail for you guys for doing the podcast it's uh it's one of those things i i feel like there's a, a resurgence of bands starting to really support each other in the local scene right now and it's 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 going really good as far as i can tell i mean uh I'm I'm doing the podcast and talking to everybody and I'm learning that every band has a, a handful of other like buddy bands that they like to hang out with and everyone's kind of pumping each other up and that's that's honestly what what our scene needs is a whole bunch of of bands playing awesome music and then when everyone says your music's awesome and you're like you think we're awesome check out these guys you know and that's yeah. that's one of the coolest things um being able to see you know bands even of complementary styles like i said i went to go see tyrant souls and and got to see you guys play too and it was like you know this is cool music because it's not what i would write which is one of the reason that it's it's so intriguing to me is it's it's not something that would come out of me normally so um i mean i could play cover tunes till who laid the rail but (laughs) your your guys's music is different than mine which makes it that much more interesting to me to go see because it's like I said, it's not something that my thought process would have came up with. So it's really intriguing. Uh, that's what's you know been fun about playing up here versus, you know, down home is that, you know, we're getting exposed to these local bands that are, you know, nothing like us. Um, you know, there's been some pretty heavy metal bands that have been on these bills that, you, you know, you wouldn't really expect to be on, you know, like, uh, I think our first show was Black Moods and Them Evils. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's uh, Fret Knot out of Cedar Rapids. All right. And they were, you know, they're heavy. It's not a band you expect to see on the bill, but it's nice to hear just these other bands and other genres on the same bill. Almost like being at a festival, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, as deep as the pool of bands in Iowa is, it's not always easy to stack bands that are you know well enough alike into the same show but even then like i'm sure everyone's been to big shows where it's like you got a hair metal band opening up for a thrash metal band or something and it's like what's up with this you know and they're not the same band but it's it's close enough and it it actually works out really well um i guess a good example i could think of i went and saw the scorpions once and cinderella opened up for them and it's like (laughs) these aren't the same styles of music but it still fit for some reason and it worked out really well, you know, and it was a killer show cause I like both bands, but, um, you know, that's, that's also one of the funnest things about playing tunes, you know, going out and playing tunes. You just, I, I don't know why it, when I first started playing music, I was always, I, I started out weirdly nervous about seeing other bands cause I'm super picky about what I like. But then when I started, um, trying to figure out, like I, I always watch the bands and I try to figure out what's going on and how they got to where they're at. And, how their sound is their sound and what exactly they're doing that makes it what it is. And that's, it's always intrigued me. Cause like I said, it's a lot of the stuff I get to hear and see is not stuff that I would normally write myself or, or turn on or, or listen to. And it, it gives me the availability to say, Oh, that's actually possible because someone else is doing it. And maybe I could try something kind of like what they're doing, you know? And it, it's like, it's, it's inspirational. It's almost like a little bit of a competition, but it's not, you know, it's like a friendly competition. Yeah, I mean, it is, a, it, you know, it, it kind of is because you want to, you know, everybody wants to go up there and kill it. Everybody wants to, you know, to do the best they can to be the best man in the band that shines. That's, that's part of just human nature for everyone to do that. And I think 
one thing that you know you talk about going to these we talk about going to these local shows and, and whatnot it's it's interesting to see and hear these bands and i think what makes it for me when i listen to them i think what makes it interesting to me is the fact that these are these people wrote this music and they came up with this sound and they came up and no one else that it wasn't produced it wasn't bought from somebody else you know, it wasn't, you know, they go through a catalog and select these lyrics and the song out and just have some higher band. Like some of the stuff that you hear that's mainstream. Yeah. Not all of it, some of it. Some of the, some of the more common stuff is sort of done that way. And, uh, you know, we can't do that. We don't have the resource to do that. And I wouldn't want to do that anyway. I mean, it's not part of, of, of how I would want to do it. But anyway, I guess it's interesting because this is raw style. This is raw talent and raw skill. And this is what this person, you know, uh, you know, made and created. I think that's what interests me about it. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, it's, and, and this isn't a stab at any of the, like the popular music that's out there, but it, it, it's a lot of, it seems to be not necessarily written by whoever is singing it. Good. That's good or bad, whatever. What, I mean, that's not my style. I'm not going to be like, boo. Cause I mean, quite obviously it's still good music, but at the same rate, like we don't have, huge studios full of session musicians to bounce ideas off of or like you know multi-thousand dollar engineers to oh we'll just tune it up this way and it'll sound different because that'll get the best tones coming out of blah blah this that and the other this is all grassroots campaign uh rock and roll if you will i mean it's 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 literally like you guys said you guys everybody's got their own influence we combined it this is what it sounds like in its original nobody helped us write this this is just what we came up with in our downtime and that's that's really cool to be able to go up on stage and be like these three people wrote that like these three people together wrote that all 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 by themselves nobody else, nobody else was just like change the lyrics to this or like we wrote this tune and then somebody came up and I'm a wordsmith here's the words you should sing to it you know it wasn't any of that none of that goes on in the local scene even at all right that's it's brilliant i mean i, I like that what you said there, that grassroots rock and roll, because that, I mean, that's really what we are, and that's what we've experienced from playing with these other local bands. That, you know, they're just, there's not a lot of production behind it. They're just getting up there to, you know, melt some faces and have some fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and I, I mean, like, while, while we're saying all this, shout out to all the sound guys out there helping us sound good. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, the, the guy is awesome. What's that? <laughs> The guy at Lefties is awesome. Yeah, there's there's a, I mean, there's a few sound guys that I've I've run across at Lefties, and and it always sounds amazing at Lefties. It's my favorite, one of my favorite things. You can go there, and it's just like, do you need us to turn this up anymore? It's like I don't care. Whatever you guys have sounds great. Like, it's better than us just putting amps on stage and praying like hell that it's balanced. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, we we've uh, had the same sound person each time we've been there. I think. Yeah. And I, I, I think was Ocean's that video that I recorded was that? That's a show that he was at. Was that it? No, that was, that was, that was in January. So we recorded. Uh, uh, if you on YouTube, we have a, a release of Ocean's, and it's not. Um, it's it's me uh, drinking a you know a case of beer and trying to figure out how to use software and put some videos together. Uh, but the sound uh, comes from. I have a fairly high quality uh, mic on a, on a, it's a zoom camera that has a good quality and like condenser mics on it. So you get a pretty good sound, but to give you an idea of, uh, or people an idea of, of how good the sound is there. Uh, if you listen to that song, uh, oceans that's, that was recorded there, that is totally raw. That is a compressor microphone sitting back right in front of his, 
of his mixing booth there. And I did absolutely nothing to it. I didn't add compression. I didn't EQ it. I did nothing. I just put it up there. And it sounds pretty damn good. Yeah. I I actually, um, at that Texas Hippie Coalition show, I recorded Tyrant Souls set. Um, and I'm almost embarrassed to, to let the secret out. But I, rec- I recorded it with an iPhone. And I, I had a raw audio recording of it as well because I bring like a little portable recorder with me. And I usually compare the two. And ironically enough, what came off the iPhone was better than the recorder. The recorder was so, um, um, I don't know what the word is. It was, it picked up everything. It picked up people coughing around the corner and stuff like that. So it was, it was almost like too precise. It was, it was like what you would have audible in your ears if you were standing there and somebody next to you is coughing you would have totally heard it but with the iphone it sounded really great and like like we all said that's that's a testament to how good you know sound guys can do um as far as you know that's that's how good it sounds with just a raw microphone and that's that's really cool like i i've the oceans video at lefties was one of the first ones on your youtube channel i checked out when i checked out your tunes and uh yeah it sounds great man it sounds really really good uh I mean, you don't have a static address for the YouTube channel, but I'm going to put links to it down below as well as your Instagram and your Facebook and even your website because you guys have a website and it's, uh, it, it, you know, that's something else that's pretty cool is you guys have a website for a band. Not every band has a website. Some of them just rely on, on social media and call it good, but you guys actually have a website, nineyearsgone.com. Uh, that's all new to us. <laughs> um and we're, we'll have a, when we release um, our first song, Freight Train, it'll be on Spotify, Apple, basically everything that awesome. you can get music from. That's sweet. So. You're going to have to let me know when that comes out because I'm going to be pretty stoked to hear it. Um, if anybody wants to get a hold of you to, to book shows, because shows are starting to book again, like if anyone wants to contact you, what's the best way? Do you have an email that people should email you or just send you a message on Facebook or, or maybe go to your website? Um, and- Scroll down to the bottom to that little drop us a line link. Yeah, there's a there's also a bookings on the website. Um, it's nine years gone ninety seven at gmail dot com. All right. Um, Facebook Messenger works. Um, Instagram DM works. Oh man, Any I'm, of them? I'm the worst at checking my Instagram DMs. I know there's. I hope. I hope whoever I've been leaving hanging on there isn't upset at me because. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll get on there every now and then. It's like, you got five messages, and it's like, oh, crap. You know, and I'm, I'm really good at keeping up with most of them, but that's, for some reason, the Instagram messages always passes me by. So good on you guys for at least checking yours. But, uh, yeah, I got your uh, your Instagram is 9YearsGone97. Uh, that's your yep. Instagram handle. But like I said, if, if anybody wants to check out anything these guys are doing, I'm going to put links to everything down below. So give them a follow on Facebook, subscribe to their YouTube channel, follow them on Instagram as well. Check out their website, shoot them a links for booking. Let them know you want them there because I'll tell you what, it's some pretty good tunes. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here. I mean, we're already an hour in, is there, is there anything I'm like ridiculously missing in this, in this story that we've covered so far? Um, I think as far as shows go, like I said, you've already mentioned the uh, Flotsam show. That's the only thing we got booked now. Um, more recordings coming. And I'm sure we'll have some booking soon. We just haven't really... We, didn't, we there's, there's been some discussions with some shows that we've had some opportunities for, but we're not really sure what's going on with them yet, so we're kind of just kind of holding off. But 
we're we'll we'll start booking shows before long and, and be up here in Des Moines. We try to play up here a couple months at least. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah. So anybody in the Des Moines area listening, uh, well worth checking out. Nine years gone. If they're on a if they're on a bill somewhere and you can get to the show, it's worth checking out. I I promise you. Uh, if you're on the show with them. Uh, haul your gear out to your car real quick and get back in there and watch them because it's it's going to be worth it. I, it's, you guys, like I said, you guys are one of those bands. When I saw, I was pleasantly surprised because it was like there's not very many what I would just call rock bands out there anymore, and you guys are doing it and you're killing it. You're killing it, and uh, I really dig it. Thank you, I yeah, appreciate, appreciate that. that. Absolutely, um, Joe Clint. Uh, I want to say thanks for sitting down with me, and uh, I mean unfortunately unfortunately we couldn't bring jeff into the mix because we're doing this over a, a skype interview and he's not local to you guys but uh uh shout out to jeff for uh you know being who he is and being in the band he's the only guy that we didn't talk to today so hopefully maybe someday i'll get to talk to jeff <laughs> we didn't say anything bad about it i can't remember no i don't think i don't think it was i don't think it was bad no <laughs> Dude, you guys, you guys are great. I want to say thanks. Um, stick around. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end the recording here. But thank you guys very much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Oh yeah, that's another fun one. Um, just based on the fact that I've never met these guys before, uh, even though I have seen them play live, but I've never, you know, met them face to face. And uh, you know, doing the doing interviews with two people is is kind of difficult, but it's kind of fun because it gives you. Uh, two different avenues. You get two different sets of stories, even though they coincide with one another. But, uh, you know, it, it gives you the availability to hear where both of these guys came from and their collective journey to meet up with one another and, and you know, make a band. And, how, you know, I can't believe these guys have been doing this since the 90s. And not only that, but they, like, played their first show when they were in junior high, which is mind-blowing to me. I mean, I think the first show I played, I was I was maybe a freshman or a sophomore in high school. But uh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the greatest thing that ever happened or whatever. Not that, you know, anybody's first show ever really is super great. But, uh, you know, shout out to these guys. Been grinding for a while. And we, you know, like I said, we did we deciphered that I had seen them before. And I recall, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, I know I've seen these guys and I have seen them and they're good. So if you guys like rock and roll, anything that... Uh, is leans towards the grunge area or even harder rock and roll if you're a fan of classic rock new rock you'll you'll love what these guys got going on so i highly suggest you guys check them out uh like we discussed in the podcast there are recordings coming up so uh they're probably gonna end up putting out single after single here before too long so keep an eye on them go to their facebook page scroll down to the bottom give them all your likes and follows and give them a thumbs up tell them audible farm sent you heck of a band i like these guys uh down from the southwestern iowa area which is pretty cool because i don't you know i don't get down that direction to watch shows too much and so it's really neat that they travel up towards the des moines area a little bit closer to me so i can actually you know get to see them live so shout out to joe and clint for doing the podcast you guys are great i uh, had a fun time sitting down talking with you and uh, like I said, go check out all their... I put links down below in the description section of wherever you're listening to this. You can find it. So uh, check it out. Check out their band. Give them the likes and follows. And be prepared for those new singles that are going to be slowly trickling their way out. Uh, I'm assuming here in 2020 before too long. So check it out. It's going to be pretty sweet. I'm, I'm pretty stoked for it. I'm stoked for them. And I, I can't wait to hear it. There's nothing better than having one of those nice, hard 
copied, polished songs that you can actually listen to. Um, I mean, the live recordings on their YouTube page actually do pretty good justice, just based on the fact that uh, a lot of their live recordings came from lefties, and the sound there is pretty impeccable uh, almost every single time I've been there. So, shout out to lefties for having good sound, and uh, check these guys out. I, like I said, it's they're a fun band. They Their genre that they play is not necessarily what you would always hear um it seems like the scene is dominated by um metal bands that are very heavy and uh punk bands that um i don't want to say aren't heavy but it's this weird uh, dichotomy that you see a lot of these two styles in in the des moines area and uh i mean maybe that's just based on the fact that i i play in a punk band and a metal band so those are the two that i see the most because i know there are other bands out there but it's refreshing to see a you know rock bands out there bands that can um, transcend not you know they can lean into the metal genre if they want heck they could play with a punk band if they want you know and it, it it's kind of cool because you get you get the availability to play as many different styles uh, play with different bands and see different people you know just like we discussed in this podcast it's it's kind of refreshing um, and you know the music scene is so deep uh, we're almost 100 episodes in and I don't feel like I've even scratched the surface so uh you know i gotta say shout out to everybody listening like i said almost 100 episodes i can't believe i've done almost 100 which is pretty wild so if you guys like what we got going on here go to audiblefarm.com uh give us the like follow subscribe there's links to everything there you can also listen to the podcast there there are even shirts and sweatshirts available for purchase Uh, there's a link on the audible farm site and if you want to buy a t-shirt or a sweatshirt go for it um we've, you can just contact us through the contact link there or you can shoot us a facebook message um i kind of came out and said in this podcast that i'm not the best at checking my instagram messages sorry um but facebook messages will work great i check those all the time otherwise send us an email and uh, we'll check that out too so hey if you want a t-shirt or a sweatshirt or anything like that we've got you covered otherwise I want to say thanks to these guys for sitting down talking with me. Joe and Clint, you were great guests. And uh, check out Nine Years Gone. Um, they sent me a swag bag that had a t-shirt and uh, you know some other stuff from their band. I actually got a couple t-shirts. And uh, you know it's really sweet. I, I think it's one of the coolest things ever that bands, I don't know, are so receptive to this idea. Um, if you guys want to be on the podcast, you don't have to send me anything. You don't have to to bribe me quote unquote to be on the podcast at all not that that's what these guys did but i just wanted to say that uh, you know just generally speaking you don't have to do anything i'll um just contact me and say you like the podcast and for the most part i'll i'll check out your music and and try my best to put you on schedules have been a little weird here and there but uh we'll get it all worked out we'll get it all worked out i promise so thanks to those guys for doing on the podcast with me thank you guys for listening thanks to couchtown for sponsoring yet another episode my favorite coffee check them out couchtowncoffee.com and i'll be back next week with another episode peace